0: Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is Zofia Renea Morales, and today I have... One of my, the other hosts over here at Voice America, the amazing and marvelous Tristan Taramino. She is also an award-winning writer, sex educator, speaker, and radio host. She's the author of eight books and editor or co-editor of 25 anthologies. She keynotes, lectures, teaches workshops on sexual pleasure and health, relationships, and social justice around the world. As a speaker, she is widely regarded as an ex- expert on a diver- I cannot talk suddenly <laughs> on a diverse range of topics from sexual. Empowerment and LGBTQ sexuality to non-monogamy and feminism. She is the host of the popular long-running podcast, Sex Out Loud. She is also the creator of Sex Educator Bootcamp, a professional training program. And she runs a coaching and consulting business for
2: sexuality and creative professionals. Welcome, Tristan. That was kind of a mouthful, wasn't it? <laughs> when you said it, I was like, that is a lot. That's a lot of words.
1: <laughs> yes, and my schedule got kind of crunched today, so I haven't had a lot of like read it through a couple of times time. <laughs> been there, been there. <laughs> I am so pleased to have you here with me, and I'm so pleased to just plain be here. We've had so many technological challenges today. It's like, woohoo, success, we're on the air. <laughs>
2: success, we're on the air,
1: and we're on the Facebook live. Yes, and I haven't burned down, which is beautiful, <laughs> because we've got the bighorn fire just across the road from us here. Right, right. Oh, so, Yes. I'd like to kind of roll you back farther in your life because I like to start with the journey and frequently when we're starting out, we don't entirely know where we're going and we end up following little breadcrumbs. So take me back, 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 back before you knew you were Kristen Teramino, sex educated or amazing radio host and all of this sort of thing. What was your past like?
2: Where did you start? Oh, well, I started in actually a very ordinary place. I started in um, a small town on Long Island called Sayville. I was raised by a single mom and then later developed a relationship with my dad, who was gay. And I, I sort of grew up in kind of, you know, an ordinary way. I had no sex education as a kid. Which is typical for the which time. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this is the 80s. My mom had some explicit books on sexuality and she used to leave them openly, like on the bookshelf, and not say anything when they disappeared. So, my first okay. <laughs> sex education was, believe it or not, The Joy of Sex by Alex Comfort. That's actually pretty progressive, and all things considered. All things considered, those folks were looking like they were having a good time. They were having a good time.
1: I, I read that book myself. In fact, my my first boyfriend, which turned out to be my practice husband, actually gave me that book. I think um, I think there was some implied criticism in the gift, uh, knowing him and our relationship. But um, it was it was enjoyable, and it opened up a lot of vistas for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of does matter what we see first, right? Mm -hmm. And I talked to tons of people who, um, and especially young people today, who the first thing they see may be pornography. It may be really hardcore porn. And they're a little bit like, wait, what's going on? And so I saw these sort of groovy 70s couples um, in various positions. They all looked like they were enjoying themselves. The pleasure looked really mutual. Yeah. Um, the bushes were amazing back then <laughs> and, and feeling good about their bodies and yeah. who they are. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was kind of my first foray into sex education and, and I became very sexually curious. Um, I was raised by a feminist, but I, I also somehow missed the gene that gives you shame about your sexuality <laughs>
1: Well, and that's a blessing and that's lot of a blessing ways. because
2: i I really, as a young person, I explored my sexuality um i felt I felt like I had agency um I followed my hormones to a lot of different places <laughs> um there were you know, there was some sort of like external slut shaming, but I just sort of carried on as I wanted to and and I you know for me sex was the place where I felt kind of most alive and most in my body and also like like a crucible for play and for discovery and for like trying out new things. All of that was happening in the world of sex for me. But there was no point during that when I thought sex could be a part of my job.
1: Yeah, exactly. Let alone part of your spiritual journey, right? Your, yeah, your no. lifelong
2: calling. Those <laughs> didn't seem like things. I mean, it's, you know, when I was in college, I was a, I was an activist. I came out as queer. I did a lot of activism and decided I wanted to be a lawyer in public service. I got rejected or waitlisted from every school I applied to, even though I had really good grades. I went to a really good school. Mm-hmm. Um and I had written an undergraduate thesis, which had a lot of stuff about sex in it. Yeah. And my advisor at the time, Professor Claire Potter, love you, Professor Potter, still. (laughs) She, I, you know, I came into her office crying, crying, crying. Because I'm a planner, a real Type A planner, organizer. I was like, "This is the path of my life," and now I I feel you on that. And (laughs) all of the doors have slammed in my face. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And so it's like, "What do I do now?" And I was like weeping. And she said, very matter of fact, "You know, I think that you might want to write about sex. I I think you're really good at that." Which is one of those you know times when it was like someone else spoke your passion out loud, and you were like. Well, I, I do love that. Yeah, but- and she read the label on the outside of your jar for you. <laughs> okay, yes, yes. And I do love that, but I had real concerns that that wasn't actually a job because there were no role models at the time. This is before Dan Savage, before Sex Columnist, before Sex in the City, all of that. Um, the only person talking about sex in public was Dr. Ruth Westheimer. Yes, and she was. She's a different bird, and she's a different bird. And then I didn't feel like, oh, okay. So should I go to medical school? And then I should be. This does. This doesn't seem like my path. Um, so,
1: so how did your how did your path start to unfold from for you now that the seed has been planted?
2: The seed has been planted, and I begin. I moved to New York City, and I begin um, writing a lot about sex. And there's kind of a very tiny growing movement of erotica writers. So I'm meeting them at conferences, at readings, at spoken word things. And I really wanted to write about my own sex life, but it seemed like erotica was what people were doing. So I just changed people's names and like, it was all, all my stories are true. If you read my fiction from the early, early days. I was going to say, it's it's not it's actually all true. fiction. It's just no, it's the, all names true. Cha- the names have been changed. The names have been changed. The innocent. And, you know, there's some embellishment maybe once or twice. <laughs> but um, I started writing Erotica and I landed a deal with a small feminist press to publish Best Lesbian Erotica, which is this series I created, which still continues to this day. So, it's been going on since 1996. And then, after I did that and that book was really successful, the publisher sent a kind of call, a generic call out to everyone who worked for them and said, we're going to start a new sex series of books. We want them to be on very specific subjects. We don't want a big, you know, no, no joy of sex. We don't want a big encyclopedia.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, not,
2: not er, everything there is to know about sex. No, yeah. if you want to, if you could write about only one topic in sex, what would it be? So I was like, okay, I'm going to get right on this. And I wrote a proposal and sent it to them for a book called The Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women. That is very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is something that I was really passionate about. Remember they said, like, if there was one book and it was a book I wanted to have on my bookshelf, there was not a lot of resources, um, about anal sex. And when there were, they were often, um, by men for men, often from the gay community. Like when I would take like a workshop at gay men's health crisis, there weren't any women really talking about anal sex. And I thought, well, I want a book from a woman's point of view. That's like directed at women. And, and bless their heart, this, this feminist press, Cleus, first they were like shocked <laughs> and they were a little bit taken aback, like maybe we shouldn't start the series with this, which seems a little provocative. It, it but, is kind of the deeper end of the pool. It's the deeper <laughs> end of the pool. You're right. It's totally deeper under. So, um, but they did, they decided to do it. And the Ultimate Guide series also has continued. A brand new book in that series just came out that um, that I love, the ultimate guide to seduction and foreplay. Ooh, so nice. I, so I sort of, I, I know some guys who could use that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it, but it's for all genders too. Yeah. So I, so I wrote that proposal and then I decided, oh, if they want me to do it now, okay, I've got to, Well, I've got to do some reading. I've definitely got to get up on the science and the biology and the health of it all because that's not. My, you know, Not to my major experimentally. <laughs> yes. And so I wrote this book and it came out in January of nineteen ninety-eight. Everyone said, no one's gonna buy this book, no one's gonna bring it up to the counter, everyone's gonna be like super horrified and scared and embarrassed. But there was this new website called Amazon, mm-hmm. which had just started selling books online.
1: Yes. And it's sort of. You can go get whatever you want, put it on your Kindle, and no one will know. Well, I don't know. There was no Kindle then, but (laughs) you could get it in a discreet,
2: you know, no one had to see your history, your shopping history, or in a discreet, (laughs) you know, paper package. Um, So I, it was a small press. They didn't have a big budget. I was trying to figure out kind of how to promote the book. And of course, I couldn't do it. Like a traditional author, where you go and you sort of read earnestly at the at the front of the room, and people like (laughs) clap, and you know what I mean. Like, and then you sign. That totally at (laughs) Pete Dalton or something, (laughs) right? Um, And so that that wasn't going to work. So I decided to develop a workshop, like an anal sex one hundred and one, and begin teaching it at sex shops, community organizations, and I thought. I'm going to get this information out there. And some of these people who come to the workshop maybe will buy the book. Exactly. So I'll never forget my very first workshop was at a store called Toys in Babeland. It's now called Babeland. It was on the Lower East Side in a very tiny store in New York City. I got up in front of a room full of probably just 20 people, talked about everything I knew about anal sex, answered their questions, And it felt like the most, it just felt like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I am supposed to be in front of the room talking to strangers about this very taboo topic, talking about it in a matter of fact way. Um, Yeah, this feels, I think this is it. This feels right. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love it when when
1: that feeling arrives. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Along the way, we had a couple of points where you had to follow a breadcrumb or make a decision. Talk to me about those moments, like when your publisher said, we want to do this series. What showed up for you in your body, in your understanding, in your feeling that said, I need to follow this breadcrumb? Describe that for us.
2: Yeah. I mean, I felt... For one, I felt confused about the fact that there were quite a few books about sex on the market, and there wasn't anything about this. And, and when you looked in some of those more broad sex books, when they did mention anal sex, it was usually like, oh, don't do that, unsafe, scary, dangerous, Just, uh, we have one paragraph for you, and it's a no. Yeah. That made me suspicious. Because I had my own experiences and I'm someone who the very first time I experienced any kind of anal play, it was incredibly pleasurable. It was orgasmic. It was super positive. I know that's not everyone's first time experience, of course. Right. But I had an experience where I was like, wow, this, is, this can give me a more intense orgasm than anything I've ever done sexually. Like I need to dig in here. Yeah. And I just knew I couldn't be the only one. I knew there were more people out there who were curious about it who were doing it, who wanted tips about how to do it, who wanted to talk about it, who wanted to read about it. I just, I knew I wasn't the only one. Right.
1: And it, that knowing was, how, how was that knowing in your body, in your mind?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there's also a little daredevil in me. Um, I thought, you know, throughout my career that some of my best, biggest accomplishments have come after a series of no's. Mm. People telling me that's never going to work. That doesn't make sense. That's never been done before. Mm -hmm. That's a little too out there. It's too out there. People don't want that. You know, a series of no's and then someone saying yes and And creating, you know, a a major thing in my life. So, I I do feel like there was part of me that was like, "Is this risky? Yes. But am I willing to take the risk? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And at that point, you know, I'm young. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. And And I have you. There's something about I just think the the younger I was, the less fear I had about all things right? I just, I felt like I was in this place. So I used to ride horses when I was young and I used to do like really crazy, slightly dangerous things, riding bareback, riding through the woods and the trails, you know, crossing major highways, just, you know, stuff that if my mom knew I was doing that, she would be like, you cannot do that. Yeah. She'd freak. (laughs) Right. But I would like do these wild things with horses because I just felt so, I felt alive. I felt like, I was in my body. I felt like I trusted my horse. I had a connection with my horse, and I was like, "I can do this." And so I sort of had that feeling again, which is, I trust this. Like I trust my inner voice. I trust that what I'm thinking about writing in this book is is right. I, I trust that you know, teaching this workshop is going to is going to be the right thing. Is going to create space for people. So sometimes it's for me about, or all the time, trusting that inner voice. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it, it takes a little while to kind of identify that inner voice and build the confidence in it. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you have a go-ahead pattern that's like, no, it's a little on the edge. That's a little risky. And you get several of these
2: before you get the, the opening. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on in. Let's do this. Right. 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 And and it's funny because it's like you have to give yourself permission before someone else gives it to you, right? Yeah. You have to give yourself permission to put it out there and, and, and just know, I think this is going to help people. I think this is going to interest people. I think this is going to work. I like
1: that. We are getting on our first break here and I'm looking forward to exploring this a little bit more deeply with you. Uh, The audience, we're so glad you're here with us. And I'd like to invite you to think about your inner voice. Where have you been feeling called to? Where are you feeling that you've got something to say, but you're not entirely sure if it's going to be well-received? Where can you give yourself permission? And hang with us. We'll be right back from the break.
0: This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired.
1: Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to TellZofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A dot com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's TellZofia dot com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. Inner Realm is a free monthly holistic health magazine that promotes total health and wellness of body, mind, and spirit. We're a much-loved community resource for both alternative and traditional healing. We're in our 24th year of educating our readers about innovative therapies aimed at stress reduction, emotional healing, diet modification, energy healing, body movement therapies like yoga and tai chi, and so much more. Restore your soul, find your balance, and elevate your life with Inner Realm. Find us at interrealmagazine.com.
0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for us at keyword voice america. We don't follow, we lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Thank
1: you for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales. I am here with the amazing and wonderful Tristan Terramino, And she had just finished telling us about her "Ah," moment of rightness when she did her first workshop.
2: So where does it go from here? Where does your trail of breadcrumbs lead? Yeah, so I begin to teach more workshops. And then when we get to the Q&A, people start asking me about things that don't have to do with anal sex, actually. So now they're asking about the G-spot, about squirting, about fantasy role play, about female orgasms, you know. And I think, okay, um, I know some things about this. And I'm I'm kind of like a self-taught, you know, I've read every book there is on sexuality. And I'm a nerd in that I go to sexuality conferences and take classes and all that stuff. So I was like, well, and I you to, read The Joy of Sex cover to cover. And I read cover. The Joy of Sex, right? That was my, when I was 10, Um, from cover to cover, probably 10 times. Um, and so I felt like, okay, I think I can develop some more workshops. Clearly, this is what people are asking for and want. These spaces of education, of sharing, of feeling not judged right of of feeling like this is a safer space where i can talk about sex because we don't have that many in our culture They're right very very few right very few and i know it's i know it's like a fear public speaking is like a fear for people um and i am afraid of some things like rock climbing Mm-hmm. Um, for example, yeah, I'm with you there. I, heights <laughs> are not my thing. <laughs> it's not the height, it's just like the falling off. You know how they fall yeah. off and then they, someone catches them with a bungee? Not my no. Not no. Nice scene at all. <laughs> um, but I wasn't afraid to hold that space. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't afraid to talk in front of people. And I felt like people responded right? They responded to the way that I talked about sex. Very matter of fact, you know, here, here it is. Yes. We're talking about just like anything else. We're talking about the weather we're talking about, what we're going to have for dinner. We're talking about sex. Yes.
1: That's a beautiful thing. So how did it manage to unfold into an actual career that would support you?
2: Yeah. I mean, I had to make that up as I went along, right? Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you try that worked well? What did you try that was like abysmal failure? Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like from very early on, I was kind of a guerrilla marketer. You know, um, I was like, there are so many different creative ways that you can get the word out about this event or that event or this book. And so, I, I used to just like throw it all against the wall. Right. Let's make flyers. Let's let's make postcards. Let's go to this event. Let's network. Let's, you know, let's swap ads with this zine. All all these things. Right. Um, so I, I felt I felt like, okay, there's unlimited possibilities here, and I'm gonna just try to do it all. Um I think that, you know, the the best thing that happened to me is I I got a really corporate, well paying job. Mm-hmm. And I worked on Madison Avenue in, in advertising, actually, um, for quite a while. And then that company folded. Ah. And I was, one of the, I was one of the first employees to be hired. And then we grew to like 250 people. And then I was one of the last to be let go. Okay, and we we so we had a lot of notice, and we we're getting a generous severance package. That was a thing in the '90s, back in the day. Um, and that was a beautiful thing, <laughs> a beautiful thing. And so it was clear to me at that point. Okay, I have time. I have this cushion of money. I'm now going to try to make this work full time, as a writer, as an editor, doing more books, teaching more workshops. And I just kind of held my breath and jumped.
1: Yeah. Well, and I love that there was this what I want to say, period of time where you had a foot in both worlds, right? Yes. Yes. Finding this passion and this this vocation or avocation, I should say, as well as working the day job, doing the nine to five thing, you know, learning. I, I bet you learned a shit ton
2: about marketing. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, right? So I was a marketing manager. And so I actually, you know, I got to be in the room where people are like pitching, you know, IBM and, and real have, you know, major players. And yeah. so, although the writing was entirely different from what I was doing, <laughs> um, it really honed my writing skills. And, and I learned so much about how to communicate to, you know, with people. About like what is the core thing? You know what is the core message you're trying to get to people, so that when they see your brand or your service or or the person, like that, they get it right away. I definitely learned that like boot camp style in advertising.
1: Yeah, so many people are in a hurry to cut the day job loose, and I think it's easy to try to do that prematurely. And I know for myself. Spirit knows exactly when it's time for that to go away, and it will.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, and and we have to be realistic that that was like a a privilege. That was luck, and that was privilege that I had that job, I kept that job, and I was taken care of in that job, right? Because I don't know if I would have been able to do it when I did it um, without that cushion. um, Exactly. Which most… You know, Americans do not have a safety net, do not have a cushion. We have to pay our bills. We have to pay our rent. Um, I was living in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. My rent was $300. Oh, that helps. (laughs) That helps a lot. Williamsburg then changed drastically. Now you can spend $3 million to get just an apartment there. But back in the day, I had very cheap rent. (laughs)
1: Well, and rent control is a beautiful thing in New York. In New York also, yes. Yes, yes. And and spirit kind of covers our knees that way. It will put you in a place where it will work if you allow it to lead you there.
2: Yes. And,
1: and take what is offered. I know for myself, my ego will sometimes pop its head up and go, oh, well, but that's below me. It's like, mm, no, just, just put it aside, step forward, do what needs to be done and see what comes next.
2: Yeah, it's funny because... You know, I'm. I've been in this industry now for twenty plus years, and people, of course, want to know the sort of secret to my success. And um, it's really easy to answer in one word: it's work. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes working too much. Work. (laughs) But you know, I from both my parents, I developed a pretty intense work ethic that then Mm -hmm. kind of developed into workaholism. But the yeah, the answer to how did you become so successful um, is just. Work, 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 work. Yeah. I mean, you have to, of course, listen to your inner voice and you have to be creative and you have to like have new ideas and constantly be thinking of what's next. All of that's true. But you also just have to put your head down and work. And yeah, pull on the oars Mm -hmm. and row
1: this sucker forward.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's a joke
1: that I remember from my childhood and some jokes have like really big kernels of truth in them. And there's this joke about this guy who's trying to win the lottery. And he really wants to win the lottery. And he prays to God every week, please, God, just let me win the lottery. Let me win the lottery, God. Come on, God. Why wasn't it me this week? I want to win the lottery. And God finally gets freaking fed up. And he says, help me out and buy a ticket.
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) Right. 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 You there know, are actual steps. There are, there are things you need to do things to you meet can spirit and halfway. do need to do. It. Yeah. 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 But I also think, you know, there's this funny like fine line between people are rejecting this. People are saying, no, I'm a little afraid of this. This feels risky. And I believe in myself, you know, it's like such a fine line right there yeah. to, to not listen to your detractors, you know, to listen to good solid advice but to also know when to not take that advice right. and when you know something that they don't. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that comes down to that internal voice and that internal conviction that you've you've got something here.
2: Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, I think it's hard to you know, stray from what the norms are. It's it's hard to you know, create a career that like people don't even know what the name of it is yet. Yeah. Right? <laughs> what do you do? I, uh... Yeah. So <laughs> I think that that's like, th- th- there's challenge there, but I felt like this is, this is where I'm meant to be. And this is like what I'm meant to contribute to the world to leave it a better place before I leave.
1: Yeah, exactly. I love that. It, it's an interesting path of service that a lot of people would never imagine even is a path of service.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think creating and holding space for people is one of the most important things we can do. And sometimes those spaces are, um, are psychological, are spiritual, are mystical, um, are life giving, are fun. But, when someone can hold space for other people and, and all of them, right? Not, not their, ha- just their happy-go-lucky selves, but hold space for their pain, hold space for their shame, their guilt, which nearly everyone has around sexuality, yeah, exactly. Right? So and many fraught feelings around sexuality in U.S. Well, culture. and
1: we're raised with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about, you know, your upbringing, watching the upbringing of your children, your cousins, you know, whoever you have in your life this young children, there is an age at which we start telling them it's not polite to touch those parts in in public. Mm -hmm. And you start talking to them about, well, nobody else should touch those parts and they should always be covered up. And yeah, there's a lot of implied shame around what we teach children Mm -hmm. when we're socializing them.
2: And that shame stays with you. I think it's one of the hardest things to let go of for people. But it's also one of the most powerful things that stops people from living their authentic sexual lives. Yes. Right? It gets in the way of people figuring out who they are and what they want and actually like creating a sexual life for themselves with themselves or with other people um, that genuinely feeds them and nurtures them. I think most people are sort of going along with the program, are doing what they think they should do, what they're supposed to do, what their peers are doing, what their parents did. Exactly. What, what they feel comfortable
1: talking to their spouse or other partner about. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so I think, I think that that holds people back from actually figuring out this real true part of yourself. Well, yeah. And when you're talking
1: to somebody and you're not sure how something you desire is going to be received, there is this huge also fear of, rejection. will I be rejected? Will I lose the relationship over this? This is kind of out there. Some people consider it taboo.
2: Mm-hmm. What if I
1: bring it up and they're horrified, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So sometimes it's about uh, listening to folks and just witness they want to be witness they, they want you to bear witness this is my kink this is my fetish this is my turn on this is what I dream about this is what I really want yeah that's a big part of my job um, is to just hold it and witness for them and and make them feel like they're not alone and mm-hmm. that they're not weird or out there or abnormal yeah because they're not they're not Yeah, I've talked to, I don't know, 100,000 people, more people about their sex lives over 20 years. And I can say that like no one has ever come to me and told me something that I just was like, wow, I have never heard that before. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you just off, (laughs) right? Yeah, Uh, it's like people think they're more alone than they are.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well,
2: and society
1: has sort of raised us to be isolated in that way.
2: Yes. Yeah, and to be quiet about it, right? Yeah. If we were talking more and more openly and more honestly with our friends, with our siblings, with our partners, um, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be this sort of mystical great sex life that everyone was attempting to have, but they yeah, actually everybody has but you. Right. Everyone <laughs> yeah. has but you. And and it's a it's a myth. It's a myth. But we're clinging to it. We're still clinging to it pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's,
1: it's sort of like doing your inter doing your inner work and comparing your shadow side to somebody's Instagram life. Right.
2: Right. You know, it, your Instagram. I I I had to write this sentence, by the way, in an email recently and I was a little bit cranky about it. Um, I said someone had said, you know, like, oh, well, I follow you on on social media and it seems like everything's fine. So blah, blah, blah. And I was like, my social media does not reflect my inner life <laughs> yes <laughs> um, so I just want people to know that my social media is curated I am sharing um, a pieces of my life and pieces of my journey but it doesn't reflect every minute of every day and it doesn't reflect my inner life until it does until I say hey I'm ready to share something I'm ready to be vulnerable I'm, I want I want to put this out there um, but and it can take a while
1: to work up to that point. Oh yeah, I I'd re- I do not want to just dump my mess out there. I want to sort it through <laughs> and have come to some sort of a conclusion or resolution. That's the type A in us
2: though. Before
1: I want to make out it there. clean. That we want to make it kind
2: of <laughs> clean before we put it.
1: <laughs> well, I I'd like to understand what it is before I share it with the world.
2: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's what because, therapy's for, right? Yeah, and and that allows me To understand what I'm about instead of having the world tell me
2: what they think I ought to be, whatever about this, right? Which, by the way, everyone on the internet wants to tell you something. They're happy to do that, right? (laughs) They're happy to give you unsolicited advice, tell you what your situation is, tell you how you're feeling, tell you why you did the things you did. I mean, I mean, it's or how you actually ought to maybe better be feeling, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. And I think, again, that that just feeds into this conformity, right? Yeah. This idea that we all need to take the same path and that we all need to do the same things and our relationships should look the same and our career paths should look the same and our spiritual lives should look the same. Uh, you know, I think that's detrimental to the what is truly an incredibly diverse planet that we have.
1: Absolutely, and that's part of the reason I love doing this show because we can bring forward all kinds of amazing paths through the spiritual world. Because there are a lot of paths, and a great many of them lead straight to the divine. Are we going to talk about my soul contract? We can talk about your soul contract. Do you want me to pull it up, or do you? Yeah, on something? the break.
2: Pu- on the break, pull it up. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll I'll talk pull about it up
1: on the break, and we'll talk about your soul contract when we come back. Okay. We are right up on the break right now, so we'll leave that as a little teaser. And if you're out there listening with us, those of you who are out there listening with us, take this time over the break and spend a few minutes being compassionate with yourself and looking at some of the places where maybe you've been beating yourself up or saying that you're you're too weird, you're too out there, you're too whatever it is. Take a look at some of those places, and I would invite you to step back and look at it from another angle with the eyes of compassion, as though your child were sharing this with you, or your best friend were sharing this with you. And send yourself a little bit of love, and we'll be right back from the break.
0: change starts here change starts now join us the voice america influencers channel
1: hey beautiful soul sophia Renea Morales here i've been doing sovereign self for over a year now and i would like to hear from you tell me what you want to hear in coming shows leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827 and let me know
0: Guarantee, it will be the best hour of your week. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel.
1: Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am here with Tristan Terravino, And we've been exploring her spiritual journey to finding her calling in sex education and activism and a number of other things. Pardon me, I'm going to clear my throat. Fire, allergies, it's, it's coming down on me today. <laughs> and before we went to break, I promised that we would talk about Tristan's chart. Now, since you brought it up, is there a particular aspect of your soul contract you'd like to discuss?
2: Well, I, so when we talked before this, you did my, my soul contract, which no one had ever done. I've had my, my, chart, my astrological chart done. I've had various readings, of various kinds, but I'd never done this. And I was fascinated um, because it really spoke to me. Like you know how sometimes things can be hit or miss. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some readings, it's like yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, kind of, sort of, but sort not of and not really. Yeah. Um, but this really just spoke to me. Like you, everything that the chart told you, I uh, resonated with me, and so I just found that fascinating because um, you know when you have these opportunities for someone else to like hold up the mirror or say like, this is what I see Mm -hmm. and those like connect with you, that feels very validating. And it feels like I am in the right place. Yes. I think I'm in the right place. And I have been seen as who I am. (laughs) Yes. 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 So I, yeah, so I really, I really just felt that and, and realized that that's something that, um, I mean, I think one of my core issues like in the world, in therapy, in my life is being seen and understood, right? Oh. I hate when people don't see me um, or they or they can't understand me or they misunderstand me. Um, super like trigger point for me. Yeah. And so when someone sees you, I just feel like it's one of the most powerful things in the world. Yes, and
1: that's one of the reasons I love doing soul contract readings. And if you're out there listening to us on Voice America, you may want to pull up Facebook and go to Transformation Space, the page, because I'm going to put her soul contract on the screen there, and you'll be able to see that. You're not going to be able to hear that. <laughs> so I will uh, I'll go ahead and share Yeah, so share the people,
2: that. I guess, watching on Facebook are going to get – are going to get this bonus thing, right? Ooh.
1: Yeah, they will get to to actually see your chart.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: when we were talking, I don't normally run the chart of everybody I have on my show. Oh, you don't? We, I wondered, okay. Yeah, as we were talking, I was like, I'm really curious because I'm listening to your story and how it unfolds and your path and how you've sexually identified and all of this kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm like, I'm curious because I've had kind of, I've noticed this pattern, and I was wondering if you had this pattern. And the pattern is I have noticed that women who come in and identify as lesbian have a tendency to carry this challenge around the divine masculine into the world. And so, I was like, I'm so curious, I have to know. (laughs) And so, I, I pulled up your chart and discovered that not only do you have it in the karmic position, the physical karma, but you also brought it in as a talent working with the divine masculine energy. You also brought it in as a goal to fully embody the divine masculine energy, and you brought it in as a soul destiny to fully become divine creator in this world.
2: (laughs) I mean, this, this is just so amazing. And I think it also validates um, some things, which is that I don't feel like always a typical girl or a typical woman. And, you know, I've been told all my life that I'm bossy, that I'm too assertive, that I'm brash, that I'm too opinionated. you know, which we think of generally as masculine qualities, traditionally as masculine yeah. qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard to like fight through that. You know, it's hard to say this is who I am and it's working for me. Exactly. And I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm going to ignore you like, you know, y- you wanting me to be sort of gentle and nurturing, which are not two of my top qualities. <laughs> yes.
1: Well, you are nurturing, but you're nurturing in a different way than the traditionally feminine nurturing. Right. I would say based on what I know about you and your work, you hold an amazing nurturing space for people, but it's not what I want to say, the over emotional, um, like pity kind of stuff that tends to come Mm. with the feminine side of nurturing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And so, so what is yeah,
1: it? looking at your chart, it's like, oh, my
2: God, she's got that in there four times. <laughs> <laughs> and you were just saying the whole time, hmm, I wonder, I wonder. And then you saw it. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: And then we went through some of the other talents that you have out there, uh, which is you've got uh, three energy, which is a very introspective master teacher sort of energy. You you look at stuff, you bring it in, you mull it around and you turn it into something that makes sense to other people as well. And then you invite them in to your space to share it. Mm. So you've got that's some... Three. That's three energy. That's three energy. The 10-1 energy is the divine masculine energy, which is about manifesting and miracles and um, firmness and discipline and guidance Um, Why does masculinity get miracles though? Ah, no. (laughs) Okay, hang on. Let me let me be clearer about how I'm using how I'm using this. There are two kinds of miracles in the world. There is the the feminine divine feminine miracle, which is like the miracle of birth, the miracle of plants growing and reproducing. It's the miracle through a naturally established process. The divine masculine miracle is the miracle This the exception to the rule. This is the the thing that happened, even though the laws say it ought not to be able to. This is the exception to gravity. This is, you know, you didn't die in the car accident when, you know, everything else was crushed to smithereens and you walked away with a a broken leg or something. That's happened twice to me, by the way. Yeah. Twice. These kinds of miracles seem to be the providence of the divine masculine. Mm. So, both aspects of the divine have miracles associated with them, but the ones we most often label miracles are these exceptions to the rule, as opposed to the miracles that appear through the natural process.
2: Got it. Okay. What does it mean that my dominant vibration is 1,10? Ah, the
1: dominant vibration is like an overarching message that happens when you have repeated three or more of a particular number and you've got four ones and you've got four tens. And I would have to spend some time looking up the specific message that goes with that because I don't have all this memorized. <laughs> and that would be a lot of dead air time. <laughs> so I will circle back to you okay, on that. Okay, circle back to me on that. And we'll post it
2: on Facebook. We'll post it okay. on Facebook.
1: Fabulous, okay, fabulous, fabulous. And so the other thing that showed up in your chart, which I think uh, resonated pretty strongly, is you have five energy in your physical goals. And five is this pioneering energy. People who carry the five energy are very intuitive and they also are out on the bleeding edge of whatever field they go into. And they have a tendency to be able to look at other fields, other things people have been doing unrelated to what they are and they go, oh, you know what, that would work over here. And so they innovate and they create new spaces, new vistas where previously nothing appeared before. You are the, the pioneer. You are not the settler.
2: <laughs> I love that. I mean, both pioneer and settler are, you know, products of colonialism, and I don't want to pioneer or settle well, anywhere that doesn't but want you're, me. Um, but, you're, <laughs> but I hear you. Yeah,
1: you're trailblazing. You're breaking new yeah, ground. You're finding ground. places yeah. that previously were not there. And I've been thinking about the colonialism thing a lot lately. And I think that the whole root of that, and this is a little, what I want to say, tangent, it, it comes directly out of that European divine right of kings bullshit that they had going on in Europe, and they just uh, spread it across the world.
2: Yeah, the idea that God, ha- yeah, that they were divined by God to be the ruling class, to be explorers, and to sort of to conquer Other nations. He's
1: the top of any particular hierarchy you wanted to put out there. I mean, for years, they did not accept uh, that earth was not the center of the universe. It had to be the center, right? God created white men, and therefore we are at the center of everything. We have the right (laughs) to dominate and take everything we want.
2: Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. And also, I think still the Queen of England is... Isn't she, like, doesn't the church say that she's, like, she is the queen because God willed it or divined yes. it or something? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And she's also, I we're think, still technically doing the that? head of
1: the church of The England. head of the church, right. Yes. yes. Still Med, doing it, that. No separation yeah. of church and no. state at all there. <laughs> no. 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 We yes, also indeed. carried that over, too. <laughs> yes, we carried that over also. Well, when that one came over, we went, you know what, maybe government here and
2: religion there. But don't you feel paper, like they've made their way back? They, they, they have merged in a creepy way.
1: together in a creepy sort of way now, but we, we tried to do that initially. Right. <laughs> right. This is a failed experiment. Well, you know, f- fail forward, Right. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I'm happy to for us to say, you know, that the police department was a failed experiment, that incarceration was a failed experiment, and that we can, uh, we can start over. We can yeah. say, okay, let's that try didn't something work. different. Let's try something new. Yep. Let's try something new.
1: Exactly. Yeah, one of the things that has been kicking around my mind, and again, we're off on this tangent, but I'm going to follow it, um, has been this whole thing. Oh, it was there, and now it went away. <laughs> Oh, failed experiment, police department. Yeah, oh, well, no. it's not that okay, important. Okay, not, not that, okay. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what your work is today. I know you brought a gift with you that people can explore to get to know you a little bit
2: better. So share yes, away. So, um, so people can find me online at com. Because I do coaching and consulting, you can get a 15-minute free consult with me. All you have to do is email me from my website and say, you heard me on your show. And um, I'm on social media. I'm at Tristan Terramino across all platforms. I am also writing a memoir about my coming of age. And some people say it's interesting. Um, and I have a Patreon to support <laughs> I that. I suspect they are not biased when they say that. Um, so it's patreon.com slash Tristan Taramino. I promise you don't really have to know how to spell my name because eventually Google will fix it for you.
1: Yes, it does, actually. I spelled it wrong the first time and it came Great. back and said, do you mean Tristan Taramino? <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. So I Google knows me well enough to, you know, to fix know. It. How to fix it. Yeah. That's a beautiful thing. And what was the gift that you brought with you? For
2: oh, is the consulting, the free consulting. The free consulting. Yeah. Okay. So they have to yeah. just email me and, through my
1: website. Well, yeah. And to make it easy, you can go to sovereignself.media. We've got all of the links out there to go to her website, to put in the proper coupon code to make yeah. sure that you get the discount. Easy peasy. And you just have to remember sovereignself.media. Sovereignself.media. Okay. Fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an amazing conversation. And I find myself
2: wishing we had another hour or so. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That's been it's been really I'm always on these sex and relationship shows. So it's just been really interesting to break out of that and be on a new kind of show. Yeah, and explore
1: it from a different angle, right? hmm mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being with us. If you would like to experience a little bit more Zofia-ness in your life, if you would like to tune in a little bit more to your gifts, to your path, to your intuition, I would invite you to join me tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, where I do a thing called Spirit Talks Development Experience. You can get the ticket to that, which is $10 to participate, and it's at bit.ly slash talks with a numeric one, bit.ly slash spirit talks, numeric one. And until next week, go out and live soul first.
0: Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time and 4 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week right here.